The next few chapters are ones, dare I say, you might not find all that engaging. It's something of a deep dive into army life and preparation for the actual battle. In this chapter, we get word of quite the significant historical battle, namely the Austrians' defeat at the hands of Napoleon at Ulm in Bavaria. This took place from October 16th to 19th, in 1805. In essence, Napoleon trapped the entire force of his adversary, led by General Mack. He forced a surrender and suffered minimal French losses. Napoleon was facing off against the Third Coalition, which consisted of Austrian, Russian, Swedish, and English forces. General Mack's idea was to prevent Napoleon's forces from crossing a significant part of the Danube River. So he had his forces of about 72,000 charge Napoleon's forces that were about 80,000 strong. And it was a disaster in Bavaria. This botched effort transpired when a great number of allies from the Russian Empire were still marching to link up with the Austrians. The chapter itself begins with General Kutuzov meeting with an Austrian general who was a member of the Ostkriegsrath, which was a central military administrative authority. Kutuzov was diplomatically explaining how he wasn't going to commit his forces yet, as he saw an attack on the French would be premature. He was saying something like, I would so love, if it was my personal wishes, that I could have arrived sooner and given over command of my men to those much more expert than myself. But that, alas, is not what circumstances have allowed. The Austrian response is an appeal to ego. Something like, We would consider any delay in action to be robbing you and your glorious troops of the honor and laurels they are so well accustomed to. This Austrian office, the Hofskriegsgrat, was something of a council of war that existed from 1556 to 1848. It developed the reputation of becoming somewhat of a bureaucracy where decision-making took too long. Kutuzov then responds by noting how he expects, based upon a letter from the Archduke, that the Austrians have likely already gained a victory and don't even need his men now. He was well aware that recent intelligence suggested the opposite, but he wanted to stick with what the Archduke's letter informed everybody of, namely that victory was expected and imminent. The letter from the Archduke effectively said, We are masters of Ulm. We will wait for Russian forces and command both banks of the Danube and we can fend off whatever the French arrive with. The Austrians knew they could get no further convincing Kutuzov. In the room of those making the significant decisions is Prince Andrei. He's the closest aide to General Kutuzov, and he's responsible for getting up-to-date information from the scouts, drawing up memos, and presenting the information. It's spelled out how Prince Andrei has changed greatly in knowledge, experience, demeanor. He adapted well to military life. He was full of energy and absorbed in his role. 
He was a man who had no time to even think of the impression he was making on others, only to work on the task at hand. But his countenance could not help but exude a satisfaction. He had been singled out by Kutuzov since they met in Poland and was taken to Vienna and now the battlefield. Kutuzov even went out of his way to write Andrei's father a glowing appraisal of his performance, which must have made the old general proud to no end. When the prince walked around, one could see that he was set apart. He was both listened to and admired. He's also the type big things are expected from. But others considered him arrogant, conceited, cold, and disagreeable. But to both groups, he was both feared and respected. So back to the story, Prince Andrei eventually leaves the room that he was in with Kutuzov. And he meets with another aide, a peer of his, Kozlovsky. They discuss the memo that is to be drawn up. Namely, that the Russian contingent will not be moving into action. But at that moment, in comes a significant wounded Austrian general, who is revealed to be General Mack himself, who eventually relays the massive defeat at Ulm. Kozlowski at first had no idea who General Mack was and wouldn't permit him to reach General Kutuzov. The confusion was remedied when the Austrian general introduced himself as the unfortunate Mack. Mack revealed to Kutuzov, and word traveled around the camp, that Mack surrendered virtually his entire force in Bavaria. For a slight bit of background, the Austrians wanted Italy to be their main theater and put the majority of their forces there. But there was a smaller Austrian force in Bavaria. Mack, as well as other Austrian leaders, expected to meet a much smaller French force. Napoleon knew that Austrian numbers were limited and wanted to get into the battle before the entire Russian contingent arrived to help, and he was successful in doing so. Some estimates indicate 50 to 60,000 prisoners were taken. The battlefield tactics involved a masterful flanking movement around Mack's forces that were positioned at a point on the Danube. It was a textbook encircling maneuver, something which is still studied and has been put to use in the war between Ukraine and Russia. With General Mack relaying this defeat, it became immediately clear to Kutuzov that despite his recent good diplomacy, there would be no more delay and his men would soon have to face the enemy. Prince Andrei recognized the significance of the moment and imagined what lied ahead. He felt in a week or so he would be facing off against French forces, his first such conflict. In one sense he was thrilled, also scared, and he was also satisfied that the arrogant Austrians had suffered humiliation. He feared and respected Napoleon's genius, but he was dismayed when thinking about how many of his countrymen would soon die. He regarded Napoleon as his hero and could not envision him suffering any disgrace. He then ran into two of his less serious colleagues, Nizvetsky and Zerkov. They had not heard the news yet, but they saw some of the Austrian generals coming towards them and made an overt demonstration to make way. Zerkov, who you might remember from the last chapter, 
when he was trying to induce Dolokhov into a card game, was so brazen he decided to congratulate the generals thinking Mack had been successful. He was looked upon by the busy Austrians as a fool and was brushed by. Nezvitsky, full of energy, then threw his arms around Prince Andrei in a chummy, soldierly type of way. But he was immediately rebuffed and given a lecture not to play the fool again. Prince Andrei told Nevitsky that he respects him more than Zerkov and that 40,000 men have been reported massacred, the army of his allies destroyed, and here he is laughing. Prince Andrei knows that Nezvitsky may not have been given the news, but the rumors should have been enough to have him maintain a proper level of decorum. Prince Andrei points out their common cause with the Austrians and that they are expected to rejoice in successes, grieve in losses, and any other attitude, such as the buffoonery that Nizvitsky is demonstrating, cast their army as low-level mercenaries or hirelings.